This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Deep Dives podcast here on the No Ceilings NBA podcast network. I'm your host, Nick Agar-Johnson, and we have back in the building once again for this episode, the conductor of chaos himself, Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are you doing this fine afternoon? Doing good, Nick. Always good to be back on the Deep Dives talking hoops and, and drafts with you. How about yourself, my friend? How are we doing? How are we holding up? I'm doing pretty well. For those of you who hear something that sounds slightly different, I'm currently at my brother's place in Boston, so you know, having Awesome time with him. Saw my other brother as well a couple days ago. So good times out here on the East Coast. But if the audio is not that great, it's uh, definitely definitely Rucker's fault and not the fact that I'm not recording in my usual location. Hey, I get it. I have construction has been going on near my office for the last uh, my home office for the last five months. So I, I'm in a pivoting too. But you know, the show must go on, Nick. We've made adjustments. We're we're here to make the people happy. So we're just gonna have to roll with the punches and, and make it work. Well, speaking of making the people happy, unfortunately, for those of you who are audiophiles, we will not spend the entire podcast talking about our respective audio issues. We are here instead to talk about someone who we have both written about in the last couple of weeks, Barcelona's James Naji, who has been one of the more fascinating prospects to follow in this cycle. So before we sort of dive deep into the specifics of the article that you recently wrote about James Naji over on NoSealingsMBA.com, subscribe, check it out if you haven't already, all the writing's totally free. Rucker, what were your initial thoughts on Naji when you started this deep dive? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's been one of the international guys that I don't think's got plenty of attention or, or buzz throughout the year. And maybe it's more with NBA executives and scouts that you talk to. They rave about Naji. They absolutely love him and one of those guys where it's always tough with international guys that, you know, are the younger ones playing on the powerhouse EuroLeague teams and they get limited minutes. So it's like, okay, you really have to dig deep when you're evaluating and almost get married to the flashes. And I, I found myself kind of, you know, being really intrigued the, the deeper I went when it came to watching his film. And, you know, when he got extended minutes, there's a lot of really exciting stuff to, you know, make notes about and be like, okay, there's something here. Like I understand what everyone's, you know, drooling about when it comes to front offices. And I've asked around and, you know, everything I've gotten back was high praise. Um, and it's just kind of funny. This is what I love about evaluating where it comes to, this might be a guy that's not really a hot name in the draft community or, or people that want to talk about the draft and prospects just because, you know, he's playing about 19 minutes a game. He's not putting up big numbers, so you're going to be kind of turned off by that. But it's the youth, the, the rawness, the upside, like all that stuff gets you really excited. So let's start off by talking about the place where you start the article. And so I'm just going to read the first sentence here. Potential is a scary word. Yeah. Yes. And that's, you know, it's funny because a lot of the sort of philosophical discussions you and I have had recently 
revolve around sort of our thoughts on, you know, players who are putting up numbers and producing in professional leagues outside the NBA, you know, guys who are doing exceptional things on the court in, you know, leagues that are NBA adjacent, you know, not quite the NBA, but, you know, next step down in terms of competition, you know, the G League, the Euro League, you know, rather than sort of all the way down to the NCAA level. And with Najee, it's a very different sort of calculus because, yes, he's playing in one of the more difficult leagues in the world. And, you know, as we both point out in our article, if you haven't yet, just look at the roster for that Barcelona squad and you will understand why James Najee is not getting, you know, crazy minute loads. You know, he's not starting games. But it's interesting to sort of dive into the idea of the potential here because, you know, on the one hand, you get guys who, you know, are limited minutes players in Europe who come over to the NBA and are fantastic successes. And, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, you get Dragon Bender, right, where the entire discussion was he could turn into something. He could be this. He could be that. But, you know, in terms of his uh, play at uh, Maccabi, it wasn't, you know, anything particularly special. He didn't, you know, he showed flashes, but there weren't any big numbers. You know, he wasn't putting up 18 and 11 in in the Euro League. Whereas, you know, with some of these other guys, you know, yes, Najee has had limited but very high level success in a very high level league but ultimately so much of this just comes down to the potential of what he could be you know what he could become because in terms of what he's actually done we haven't seen all that much yet yeah it's it's definitely a scary concept when you're talking about chasing upside chasing the potential like i I was saying in my article or you know, we always want, I'm a big production guy. I want to see the production improve. I want to see someone produce at a high level. And if they, you know, upperclassmen in college, they go back and they take strides forward with the, with their game and produce at a better level the following year. Like that's, that's what gets me going as an evaluator. That's what I absolutely love to see. So it's, it's tough when you're at the other side of that and the production is there, but you have to just say, okay, what could this be? Like the idea is something I always talk about is really dangerous. You're, you're chasing the idea of what a player could turn into. But with Najee, I think it, it kind of weighs some special like concern or, or, you know, just some thought process where you have to be like, Hey, this is an 18 year old playing with probably the, one of the best teams in the entire world. When we're talking about basketball, I mean, um, you and I both, Nick, have, have talked about that roster in our pieces. Do you go down that roster? It's unbelievable. They got seven or eight guys that are deep, guys that have spent time in the NBA, guys that, you know, carved out a really successful career overseas where they're winning MVP awards. And um, it's not hard to see why Najee's not playing a ton. But you see the tools, his frame. I know we're going to talk about all that stuff, but just the rawness he has and what he has already that looks just waiting to get untapped when you're talking about his skills and his potential. It's, it's really special. And um, an executive I really trust, he, he was like, hey, this would be a first-round lock if he played at Texas. He's just one of those guys that you know evaluators might not really get all smitten about because – he hasn't played a ton. Yeah. I mean, you have to sort of find the one game that he really gets some extended minutes and be like, okay, I got to really focus on this one because you just, there's some games where he plays five minutes. There's some games there. He just doesn't really get on the court. And it's a really weird mix. And, you know, just to sort of compare him to two other around the world guys you've written about this season, right. You know, Ryan repair is someone who, you know, maybe doesn't have, you know, the crazy sort of box score production stuff, but I mean, he started most of the season for the New Zealand breakers. You know, he's had some real moments on the court as opposed to just, okay, you know, flashes here and there, like he's started games. And then, 
you know, someone else who you did in around the world on Bilal Koulibaly, who was spectacular in the junior league in France and, you know, has not gotten anywhere near as much playing time in, you know, the, for the big club at net 92. But, you know, again, he's someone who at least has that sort of junior league production that you can look at and say, okay, you know, lower level competition, but he was dominating these dudes, right. You know, with Najee, it's all just, okay, what can he become? Because, you know, right now he's like an effective 10 minute per game player in one of the best leagues in the world for one of the best teams in the world. But, you know, again, when we're talking about potential, it's what more can you get to from there? And with Najee, you know, it's all about looking at some of the just crazy, crazy tools that he has and say, okay, you know, if this is someone who, you know, give him three more years of understanding how to play defense properly without fouling, you know, give him three more years of, you know, working on his handle. So he's not just purely a lob threat, you know, garbage rebounding kind of guy around the basket. Right. It's like, it's the idea of what more can we project for him? But unlike, you know, some of these other international prospects, there isn't really that sort of statistical track record. It's more just, okay, what can we glean from the film about where this player might be going? And, you know, the flip side of that, of course, is he has, and we'll get into this certainly later, but he has such a specialized skill set that in some areas, if he just stays the way he is, you know, where we're talking about like his frame, right? That's, that's NBA ready right away. And then the question with the potential is, okay, what can we gather from where he's going to go beyond sort of what we've already seen? Because again, the statistical record is pretty thin, but you know, in terms of the projection, there's a lot to like there. Yeah. And I I think was also where the game is trending with the NBA, you know, like teams aren't going to try to make Najee what he isn't, you know, they're not going to make him this, they're not going to bring him in and be like, okay, let's develop you into being a, uh, we feed you in the post because that's just not what the modern NBA is right now. And, I think what he does at a high level when it comes to, you know, I know we're going to talk about his game, but like the defense, the, the rebounding, um, the, him being a, just a terrifying lob threat. I mean, those are all areas that check immediately where it's like, okay, if you could surround him and put him in the middle with, you know, four shooters or something around him where it's like, okay, life would be very easy for Najee to have success. And, his youth, he's still got so much basketball. I think the best basketball is ahead of him for sure. I hope um, so. Yeah, I, I hope so. But I also think a really important thing is too, like, yeah, he's not playing a ton, but we just talked about how impressive that roster is. He's practicing with them every day. He's going up against elite guys. Um, and, and you could see some real maturity when it comes to one part of his game where I think the defense is like remarkably impressive. I I really watch his defense and I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's some special stuff here. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of fans. I I think this international class is a little confusing um, because it is a lot of potential. It is a lot of chasing upside. You know, Rupert, as you mentioned, is one of those guys that, you know, I think has a lot of tools that people are a little scared of just because of like, uh, is it the defensive specialist? Me and you have talked about this, Nick. And then Cool Ball is the, the hot name now because of the tools and how smooth he looks. But would you rather have the guy that put up good numbers at the junior level or would you rather have the guy that's been spending the whole year training with one of the best teams in the in the world? And I I personally think I would probably lean towards the the guy that's been going up against some of the elite talent in the entire world when it comes to basketball. But um, I understand why everyone's really high on Koulibaly. I feel like it's just going to shift. And we all know this. Executives will think completely different than we will. That's just how it goes on. It's also really interesting, the sort of breakdown of the developmental minute stuff, because, you know, on the one hand, it's very, you know, the fact Koulibaly got the playing time he did and put up the stats he did, you know, that's helpful, right? You know, this Mm -hmm. is one of the most 
obvious comments I can make, but you know, on-court playing time is helpful for development of a basketball player. But you know, the difference here between say Najee's situation and any number of guys in the G League, right? Like the G League is, you know, depending on your opinion, you know, almost indisputably one of the best five leagues in the world, right? Like if you're getting sent down from you know, just say completely random example, not in any way rooted in my personal fandom. But, you know, if you were to send a guy down from the Sacramento Kings to the Stockton Kings, right, it's not like a huge drop off in playing level. Whereas, you know, the difference between the Met 92, you know, major team versus the junior team, there's a pretty big gap in terms of the strength of the league. With Najee, you know, he's not playing on a junior team, right? He's, he's playing on the big squad. And as you mentioned, you know, maybe he's not getting that much time on the court in terms of you know, what we can see on film, but, you know, I'm sure there's hours and hours worth of practice of Jan Vesely saying, God, just get this guy off me. He's way too big. I, I don't want to deal with this all morning. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of people are falling in love with Koulibaly because of his highlights and I'm not trying to just focus on him, but it's a good comparison. And Koulibaly, when you, when you watch his film at the lower level, I mean, he looks, you know, he looks like LeBron in his prime playing in an all-star game. Like it's just like, he's cruising, he's dunking everything and he looks fantastic. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to ignore that and realize, okay, when he went up, it, it, there's some struggles. There's some definite like jumping competition there, but Najee is definitely a guy that he's been playing with, the best basketball league, not the NBA in the entire world. And he's getting minutes and he's shown on the court. He can be a presence and be a factor. And obviously it's not been consistent because he's had to earn the minutes, but the fact that he's earned those minutes at his age on that roster is just unbelievable. Um, and he's had games where, you know, it's not like he's only getting minutes when it's a blowout. He's had games where he's playing and, and making stops on defense and rim protecting and, he shows plenty of flashes, and in his age, he's going to be one of the youngest guys in this class. I just think teams are going to be drooling. I think front offices are probably going to get him in workouts and be like, whoa, who is this kid? And, you know, he's, he's going to be one of those guys that just walks in and hasn't even started, and people are like, oh, my gosh, look at his build. So um, he's, he's first-rounder in my book. I, I completely am buying into the upside. All right, we will get back to it with a more specific breakdown of the defense and offense in just a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's start with the defensive stuff for Najee. I find it really interesting that, you know, you and I focused on pretty much the exact opposite sides of his game where, you know, I mostly dug into his offense for my piece a couple weeks ago and you focused a lot on the defense. And, you know, to start off with the rim protection stuff, as you note in the piece, you know, the raw numbers are not that impressive, but, you know, that's also raw numbers on averages of like nine minutes per game, right? I mean, you know, even so, when you sort of, you know, turn it around to per 36 numbers, you know, 1.8 blocks is not, you know, Walker Kessler levels, right? But it's very solid. I think, though, the part that is the easiest to see with Najee is just you look at the film and you see a guy who looks like a 28-year-old, not an 18-year-old in terms of his frame. And 
that's the kind of thing where, you know, a lot of the time we talk about, you know, young big men coming in and sort of having to figure out the physicality of the NBA and, you know, put some muscle onto their frame so they can, you know, bang down low with the big bodies. Jim Nazi is ready already on that front. And, you know, with that comes his ability to, you know, not be pushed around when it comes to protecting the rim. You know, if someone goes at his chest, he is going to take that. He's going to absorb that contact and he can send a shot back the other way. You know, maybe the raw numbers don't look all that great, but in terms of what he can do as a shot blocker, there's definitely a lot to like there. Ton to like. Um, and I think it's also everything he does before the the shot blocking. Like there's, there's some advanced defensive awareness. There's some recognition communication there's just stuff you don't see for an 18 year old um at the EuroLeague level like there's just it's really impressive um it's one of those reasons like his offense is raw I'm, I'm excited to hear what you think about like everything I know you wrote your piece so everybody go check that out at noceilingsnba.com but I'm excited to hear what you say and the defense though just continues to get me believing like this is a first rounder like if you find that defensive instincts and ability already at his age, I, I'm scared of what he could develop into because it's just really fun stuff. And I mean, um, he's he's listed at 6'10", 225 If you look over places, I think that's off. I, I mean, I even wrote I think down in my piece of like here's what he's listed at. I would really need to see proof because he looks about six eleven, two forty five. Um, I talked to his agent. His agent was like, he's six eleven without shoes. So I'm, I'm think we're talking about a seven footer. Um, he's got a rumored seven five wingspan. He is a load. He is a big boy, and, and he's explosive and quick. And I think what's so impressive is on defense, he is really fluid for a guy that size. Like he has some some dancing feet when it comes to hanging on the perimeter and switching on to guards and just some scary stuff. Some really scary fun upside. So that's what I just continue to believe. Like his his best skills are all on defense and with that type of potential on the defensive side of the ball and that frame and size and mobility, I think there's just going to be a team that's like, Hey, we, we're going to figure this out with him. He's going to be fine. He's going to be a heck of an asset to have on the defensive side of the ball. Cause you're not going to ask him to be scoring. You're going to ask him to set a good screens and be a lob thread and be a garbage man around the basket. But defensively, he really can take a team to the next level, especially if he finds his, is best basketball ahead of him, like we're saying. We'll get into the offensive stuff in a moment. I think there's a lot of similarities between Najee and another big man in this class who I really am a fan of in Duran Holmes, where you know, with Holmes in particular, you have to sort of look beyond like what he does most of the time because he gets a lot of his offense from post-ups, but that's not what he's going to be doing at the NBA. If you look at what he can do as a complimentary player, just you know, being a smart cutter, being an excellent role man, being a great shot blocker, there's a lot of things that I sort of see similar there, but I do want to get back to the quickness that you mentioned, because, you know, we've been talking quite a bit about how this is a massive, massive human being, right? You know, like 6'10", 225 is iffy in terms of the measurements. I think we both agree that he, if he's, if he's 225, then I'm 125. That's sort of my (laughs) opinion on that particular statistic. But, you know, the idea there being that, you know, he's that big, right? So you can assume that he can handle, you know, the Joel Embiid's and the Nicole Jokic's of the world, just purely on a size perspective. But it'll be fascinating to see what kind of defensive system he's in his first couple of years in the NBA, because I think there's a lot more potential to him as a switch guy than I think you might assume just given the initial look on the film of like, 
okay, this is, you know, a big boy that you stick right under the basket and just, you know, have him go to work blocking shots. He can move a lot better than the vast majority of guys his size. Completely agree. I, I think that was one of the biggest shockers when I was watching his defensive film was right away he gets switched onto a guard and I was like, oh, here we go. Because you just when you're looking at him and you haven't watched his game, you're like, he's probably going to have slow feet because of that build and that strength. And he's going to be one of these overpowering bruisers. And then I he switched on and I was like, whoa, look at his feet. And then all of a sudden he's he's cutting guys off. He's staying right on their hip and he's beautiful timing on his shot blocking. Um, no, there's obviously some stuff he's got to clean up, but I think it's one of those like experience. He needs to get more reps and that'll come. And whoever is going to draft him is going to be investing in not just Najee helping right away. They're going to be like, Hey, let's reap the rewards in year three potentially. And then never look back. And, um, but just what he's shown already. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable. His footwork, um, as as a defender, he's much more comfortable on that side. Cause I think he understands the game. And if I was a GM wanting to find a developmental big and you could tell me, would you rather have the offense, which the defense is really ugly, or would you rather have the other side of that? I'd be like, give me the defense. We'll figure out the offense. We'll find a place for him. If he could play defense and be in a potential elite defender. Um, yeah, I'll take that any day. And, and I just really do. I, I think you're spot on Nick. It's going to be fascinating his potential system that he enters at the next level. Cause I do think he can switch and, and hold his own. Now, you know, guys like Chris Paul are still going to give him problems, but Chris Paul's given everyone problems, but Najee, I think is going to be able to hold his own and he's going to be a hard worker. He, his motor never turns off on the court. I mean, he's just a workhorse. So I think you're, you're going to have a guy that is ready to run through a wall. He looks like he's ready to run through a wall and he's going to work hard and, and figure it out. It's interesting because, you know, when you're talking about someone who's more of a project on one side of the floor than the other, I think a whole lot of it is just can you do enough on one side of the ball to let your excellence on the other side of the ball, like, get you on the court, right? I mean, you know, just as another example in this draft class, right, say Terquavion Smith, right? He's not exactly going to be your lockdown defensive specialist anytime soon, but, you know, if he can be competent enough on that end and you can put him in and have your team, you know, put up a 140 offensive rating, give up 135 on the other end, right? That's still, you know, winning basketball from your team's perspective with, you know, Najee, it's going to be the flip side of that, right? Like it's, you know, can you outscore the defensive benefit that Najee's going to provide? And I think where that really factors into some of the offensive stuff where I liked with him, where it's like, okay, he'll be able to do enough as an offensive rebounder, as a, you know, pick and roll roll man, as a lob threat, as a cutter, he'll be able to do enough to fill in offensively to get those developmental minutes and sort of showcase what he can do on the defensive end of the floor. And, you know, if it's, you know, again, it's the kind of situation where I think I buy into a lot of the sort of complimentary offensive stuff that he can do. And then ultimately, I mean, when you're talking about a center in the modern NBA, you know, the number one function of your job description is be the best defensive player you can be with Najee. It's like, can he do enough offensively while he tries to figure things out and, Again, we'll get into the offense in more detail later, but ultimately the question is, can he do enough on that end to, you know, get the playing time where he could show what he can do on the defense? Because that's where he's going to, you know, continue to earn minutes. Is like he's not going to, you know, I don't know, there are some pretty shocking offensive statistics, but ultimately what he's going to do that's going to wow people and, you know, continue to earn him more and more playing time is going to be what he does on defense. Absolutely. And I think we're talking about him potentially being a 
you know, some people might be shocked to hear it, but I think I could see him going in that 20 to 30 range because we've talked about it throughout the whole year. Like that 20 to 40 range, it could go in any order. It's just wide open. So if you're a potential playoff team or if you're a team that has multiple picks, you might be looking at Najee as a, hey, you know, another year and he played extended minutes, he might be a lottery pick. So if you want to put the pre-draft term out, Go ahead, but I, I still think this is just one of those a playoff team would be really smart to get him and be like, let's take our time. This is an investment. Um, and I do think he's going to be able to do enough on the offensive side of the ball that, you know, at that range, any GM or front office is saying, can we find a guy with offers potentially an elite NBA skill or, or a really strong skill that we might get great value at this point? And I think with Najee, it's going to be the defense, it's going to be the shot blocking and, rim protecting and he's just he's patient he's awareness is really strong on the defensive side of the ball I think he's just going to be an asset on that side of the floor so I don't know it it, it is going to be interesting about the offense because I think he just has some small stuff that I know we're going to talk about I think he's got to just you know some mind lapses if you want to put it that way where it's just like be patient with setting screens because he's willing he's willing to do all of it it's just one of those like okay you need reps and you know, like we said, he's been practicing with some really, really good players on his team all year. So they know how to pick him apart. They know how to give Najee some headaches. And I'm sure he's seen a lot of stuff that he's going to be, you know, prepared for, for the NBA game. Yeah, you mentioned that 20 to 40 range. And given that you said that you think of him as a first rounder, clearly you're on the higher end of that 20 to 40 range. I'm on the lower end of that range, but I do still have him in that range. But, you know, I mentioned you mentioned sort of having him as a playoff guy, you know, fill in as an end of the rotation guy. I think there are a ton of playoff teams where that makes sense. I also mentioned Indiana as a possibility in my article where it's like they have three first round picks, you know, can they afford to, you know, spend pick 27 on Najee, stash him overseas for a year or two, see what happens, bring him over. Yeah. Cause good Lord, if anyone's going to be able to figure out how to use him on offense, it's going to be Tyrese Albert. Right. So, you know, it's the idea where, okay, you know, there are enough teams in that 20 to 40 range. You have multiple picks like Utah, multiple picks, Indiana, multiple picks, where it's like, you know, we can afford to have one of these guys not come over right away, not be in our rotation right away. And then just, you know, let him develop overseas. You know, that's a roster spot. You don't have to fill that year. Right. There are definitely teams that, you know, they're looking at this international class and they're like, well, Hmm. You know, do we want to get a stash guy? All right. You know, where do we want to get a stash guy? Right. Like if we want a stash wing, you know, do we say Ryan repair, spend another year over in New Zealand and we'll bring you over next year. Do we say Bilal Koulibaly, spend another year at Met 92, you know, take over the team from Wembenyama, see what you can do. We'll take you 25th, take you a year from now for any team that's looking for a center to fill that kind of mold. It seems like Najee's the easy choice. Yeah. I, I, this, I don't mean to be negative too, but I think this big class just has so many questions when you get past Victor that, you know, obviously Lively had the, Derek Lively had a great second half of the year and kind of revamped his draft stock. But I still think there's going to be some teams that have a little bit of questions. And then when you get past that, there's, there's just a lot of question marks all over the place. Trace Jackson Davis is a guy I love. Our team's going to play him as a center. Or do they think he's an undersized? Or are they going to be scared by that? A lot of questions. Um, and then Deron Holmes, you brought up, and I think Najee's is right in that conversation where you might be saying like, okay, this is the one we want to go after. This is the one we want to get in here and develop. And you never know, like you said, maybe they stash him for a year. Maybe some team with multiple picks like Indiana, we've mocked a lot and people are like, they're not going to take another center. They have, it's like, yes, you do. Teams are not thinking just next year. They're thinking years down the road. So 
that could be a spot. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe a team gets him and says, we don't want to stash him. We want to bring him in and just let him play in the G League all year. Like, we want to use our G League system to get him reps because he needs reps. And then year two, we'll let him run wild. It, it, you never know. And that's also a guy, maybe he comes over and looks fantastic in summer league. And a team's like, hey, he might be, you know, we might want to just keep him here and let him, you know, kind of learn the ropes for a year. So I think the talent and the upside is fantastic. It's, it's sensational. I, I, every time I watch him, I find a new area of his game where I feel like I'm falling in love. Like I, I just, am like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. So speaking of a new area of his game to dive into, let's sort of center back on some of the defensive stuff. And I want to talk about the off ball stuff for him, because again, I think, you know, we talk about his, you know, movement, his potential to be a switch big, but ultimately I think the stuff that stands out the most in terms of sort of what's different from your typical 18 year old big man, you know, other than the fact that he's built like the Hulk, as you mentioned repeatedly, but, you know, other than that, it's his awareness on that end. And, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned the offensive stuff and how he, you know, his awareness sort of slips more on that end than the defensive end, but it's the kind of thing where, you know, an extra, I mean, we talk about this all the time, right? You know, what's a foot in the college game and is, you know, a few centimeters in the international game is many fewer inches in the NBA game, right? And just the ability to recognize where the play is going, you know, go where you have to go as a big man who's going to be expected to cover up mistakes. That's going to be a huge part of what can earn Najee minutes, especially early on in his career. Absolutely. I mean, he he had some sequences off the ball, that just shocked me. Like I, I, it was looked like a guy that had been playing five years in the league. That was just a, a seasoned veteran. And um, you're seeing this from an 18 year old that gets limited minutes and, you know, it'd be him communicating and, and mar- barking out switches. And then all of a sudden coming over at the last second and rejecting a shot on the other side of the rim. It's just switching on to a guard, keeping his own, not jumping for, shot fakes, you know, which a lot of young bigs will, and they get in foul trouble. It's just a lot of patience, a lot of maturity. And like I've said before, there's stuff that's obviously got to clean up, but it's the flashes and there's a lot of flashes. And when you see a lot of flashes that becomes more consistent and you're like, okay, this isn't just a fluke. This is something that's happening a lot. And, you know, I'm not trying to like bash the NBA, but from my time overseas coaching, like they're possessed with fundamentals and, you know, being technical and, that's what they've always said is, you know, we can't compete with the athleticism in the United States. So we got to beat him upstairs in our minds. And you see that with a guy like Najee, like he's reading the floor constantly. He's putting himself in the right position. And I think that's something off the ball where it's like, he doesn't get cinder blocks and is just like ball watching. He's staying active. He's surveying the whole floor. And that's something that really popped at me and, and shows me that there's some maturity to his game and, you know, he's, he's much older on the floor, on the defense side of the ball than his age might suggest. So I think that's something that teams are going to get really excited about. It's an interesting sort of dichotomy between, you know, the overseas game and the NBA game when you talk about the athleticism, but you know, when we're talking about specifically James Najee, right? The idea is he's not going to earn playing time. He's not going to earn any favor from the coaches if he doesn't think the game at an exceptionally high level, but with someone like Najee, you're combining him learning how to think the game at a very high level from a very young age with the kind of athletic tools that would stand out even at the NBA level. And, you know, the next section, as we sort of slowly move into the offensive discussion here, you literally just title it the Hulk, right? And that's 
you know, that's really what we're going after here is if he is anywhere near the basket, when the ball comes off the rim, he can just absolutely pile drive people out of the way. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, professionals in the Euro league, right? It's not like, you know, as you mentioned, he would be a first round pick if he went to Texas, right? If he's bullying club where every possession, yeah, sure. You know, that's going to be a lot easier than bullying, you know, 28 to 30 year old professionals who've been playing professional basketball for, you know, decade plus at that point. Right. It's the kind of thing where, you know, he learns the game conceptually, you know, with this incredibly high mental level before you, like you have to reach incredibly high mental level before you can even get on the court. When you combine that with the kind of athletic tools and the frame that he has, that's when you can get something really scary. I think that that's what shocked me too on the offensive side of the ball is when you, like I said before, you you first look at him and you're like, okay, he's going to be this slow loading, powerful guy. And, and that's what shocked me right away is he's explosive, crazy explosive. Like he just gets so high up above the rim. Like some of the lob threats he reaches up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like just crazy. If it, it looks like Dwight Howard, like a slower Dwight Howard, a much slower Dwight Howard. But I'm just saying with, with all of a sudden how high he gets sometimes you're just like, my goodness, he's floating through the air. And he also just shows he could get up in a hurry um, on the defensive side of the ball. He will, you know, kind of come over and stop a, a drive and then quickly react to go block a shot on the other side from like a dump off pass. And then offensively, you could just see he gets up quick to get a rebound. He go right back up and he finishes with power. There's just nastiness. And and it's at a point where it's almost, you know, I, I don't throw Robert Williams around a lot, but it's one of those things where it's like Robert Williams in a pick and roll. When you, when he gets behind a defense, it's game over because he can just jump and get any ball you throw near his vicinity. So James has that sort of same kind of swagger when it comes to like, okay, he sets the screen and he's rolling. It's like, uh Oh, here we go. Like every point guard's just lighting up when they get to throw a lob attempt to him. So um, you, you combine that, the explosiveness, the quick leaping, the, the nastiness around the basket to rebound. I mean, he's a high motor energy guy and you put that with seven foot two. 25. I'm I'm saying he's 240. I'm gonna make up a fake weight right now, but he looks more 240 to me than 225. So a lot of good stuff. And it's not it, that's the funniest part why I call him the Hulk. It's not like 240 of bad weight. He's just a brick shit house. He is ripped. He looks like a bodybuilder. So um 18 years old. I, I just I would be jumping all over him if I if I was a team that needed a potential big that is just gonna be a lottery ticket. So we'll get into the film stuff with his offense in a minute, but I did just want to pull a couple of numbers from the Najee section in my editor's notes mm -hmm. article from a couple weeks ago. So Najee is converting 81% of his shots around the basket. That's not bad. That's a pretty not solid bad. number. So 99th percentile as a finisher around the rim per synergy, 95th percentile as a pick and roll big man. Again, you know, the sample size isn't exactly massive, but I mean, when you're talking about 81% at the rim, that's just beyond ridiculous. And, you know, th those are the kind of like prime LeBron would be at like 75%, right? This, you know, granted, you know, he's got easier shot diet than LeBron had around the basket in his prime. But even so, when we're talking about this 18 year old, who's got this ridiculous frame finishing 81% around the basket, 95th percentile is a pick and roll big man. That's sort of what I was, you know, referring to earlier when I was talking about how he'll be able to do enough on the offensive end, right? If you're a 95th percentile pick and roll big man, 99th percentile finisher around the basket, there's going to be enough looks for you just, you know, as a garbage guy on the offensive end to sort of justify his playing time. And 
as we'll get into in a moment, you know, if he can develop more on that end, then that certainly, you know, opens more avenues for him to earn minutes at the NBA level. But even just the most basic offensive elements of his game, right? It's just, okay, if all we're going to ask him to do is catch lobs and set screens and roll to the rim and, you know, finish around the basket, he can do all of that already. And an offensive game is more of just a question of, okay, can he get more consistent? Can he, you know, cut down some of the mistakes? And then if he can develop from there, that'd be great. But especially given what he is defensively, he has enough of the basics figured out that there's going to be an NBA rotation that can use him in some sort of form or fashion. Yeah, I, I think you put that perfectly where it's like he has enough of the basics offensively that's like, okay, we can work with this. And I think in a developmental staff will feel the same way because, you know, he, he is, it's almost like a one-trick pony on the offensive side of the ball, but his trick's very, very effective where it's, you know, he gets the ball anywhere around the basket. He's either trying to rip the basket down entirely or he's finishing above the rim with for lobs and, there's some stuff he's going to have to clean up where it's like he get, he'll have some times in traffic where he's trying basically just gets caught up of like, okay, like a seasoned vet would probably have a nice little step through and finish with his left hand. And the touch is a little all over the place. And you, you can understand why I feel like that's where he's just extremely raw. And, And, you know, he is used mainly as a lob threat and go get offensive rebounds and, and do the dirty work but it's very, very effective with what he can do right now. So I think that's where teams will get excited about like getting their hands on him and being like, okay, let's, let's go to work. Let's take baby steps because the defense is so far ahead that I think you could keep it very vanilla for him offensively and he'll be effective, but the rest of everything, you just got to slowly bring along. And, And when those two worlds meet, Oh gosh, he would be such a fun piece to have. And that's why I think he's going to be a first rounder. So let's talk about some of the flashes of footwork, the offensive footwork stuff. Metcalf, go ahead and take a shot because we mentioned footwork on the podcast, but that's the kind of thing where, you know, if we're talking about, you know, developmental avenues for the future, you know, again, we covered like, he's got the basics, you know, pretty, pretty set, right? Like when you're finishing 80% around the rim and you're 95% as a pick and roll big man, you've got enough of the basic stuff down, but you know, the footwork stuff is going to be very important for, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a high volume post up big, right. But just for him to be, you know, more of a cog in an offense, you know, it would be really helpful for him to, you know, have slightly the ability to sort of take smaller guys to the house. Right. And especially given that his frame is one of his biggest pluses heading into the NBA, you know, his ability to just, you know, get a drop step on a smaller guy and just hammer through, or, you know, just push someone around under the basket that would be very interesting as sort of a longer term thing. So I'm curious sort of what you thought about the footwork flashes and whether that's, you know, more of a, you know, longer term thing, maybe he can figure it out or if it's the kind of thing where you think he really will figure it out at some point. And it's just, as you say, as you always say, it takes time. Yeah, I think it will, it'll come around. I I think some bigs are tough because I feel like when they're developing, they all of a sudden things start to click. And when they click, they click really fast. And all of a sudden, it's just like the confidence, everything falls into place at once. It's just, it's funky. So I I think some team will want to almost just slow it down as fast as much and just be like baby steps. Let's, let's take this one baby step at a time. And, you know, he, he's always trying to finish with power because he can do that and no one's going to out muscle him. And he has the frame and, and explosiveness to prove it. So sometimes he gets around the basket, he kind of gets caught and people are trying to stop him. And then he's trying to load up and finish. 
he's shown some stuff around the basket where it shows he's got some touch, some creativity. Um, I, I watched a bunch of clips and I was like, okay, the footwork's a little sloppy. And then he had this one sequence where he like stopped on a dime, two guys flew by him and he turned around to pivot and finish on the other hoop. I was like, Whoa, okay. That was something. Um, and he also was like, we'll run the court, like sprinting up the court, beating people up the court. And, um, he had one sequence where they didn't call it travel. I think he took like three steps and it was like, Whoa, that was the biggest travel ever. And then had a Tomahawk slam. And I was like, okay, I guess rest didn't see that one. But, um, I think some team, like he needs to go into a gym and just shoot baby hooks like forever. He's got to get that touchdown because he, he's such a load in the paint that if he could get that down, it's going to be even more of a headache for a defense. If he just has this little baby hook with some touch because he'll throw it up sometimes. And it's, you know, one of those violent, like off the backboard line drives. And you're just like, Whoa, okay. I guess it went in, but, um, just got to get some touch, got to develop that. Um, but the footwork, it, it, almost seems like he knows he's trying to think of what he wants to do, but his mind is moving too fast. So it's just got to slow down and, and that's going to come around with reps and every day in a practice gym, they're just feeding them and like, Nope, more post work, post work. And, and I think that'll come around with time. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where, you know, again, I don't think either of us believes he's going to be a, you know, Nikola Jokic, you know, destroying people in the post, every possession, getting the ball, every possession, posting up guys, but ultimately he needs at least, like you mentioned the baby hook, right? I think he needs, you know, a baby hook and a counter, right? But that's really all he yes. is because, you know, he's yes. not going to be posting up every possession. He's just going to be, okay, there's a 6'4 guy who switched on to me. That was not very bright of him. Let me put him under the basket. And, you know, if I can't get all the way to the rim, I go with the baby hook. And, you know, if I get most of the way there, but, you know, have to stop, you know, maybe I can, I mean, I don't know, his touch on free throws does not lead me to believe that he's going to be someone developing a turnaround anytime soon. But, you know, if he just has the baby hook and a drop step and other than that, you know, if he, he will get a lot of post-up possessions where if he is going up against a 6'4 dude, right, he's just going to put him under the basket. It's not going to matter if he can, you know, make a baby hook from seven feet out. But ultimately, I think if he has like two moves that he can be semi-comfortable with, that's really all he needs because, you know, again, it's not like a team is going to be running their offense through him in the post. It's more just can you take advantage when the defense decides that they can throw a smaller guy on Yeah, I think of... Clint Capella when I watch him I'm like he needs to just look at what Clint Capella's done in his NBA career and he Clint got paid a lot so you just do exactly what he's done see how he's survived if you want to put it that way and Capella's you know he went to Houston and the jokes always Harden was like you or and don't Dan Tony were like set screens rebound and block shots we're gonna get you a lot of money and that's what happened and now Capella's got a couple moves where he can go to when he's around the basket and I think that's all James has got to do. And he's going to be an effective player, effective big for a long time. And, um, you know, what we're, I mentioned Clint Capella. Capella got over 80 million for a contract. So, I mean, that's what we're talking about with Najee is he has that tools already defensively. If he can just continue to add some stuff with his offensive game, because I don't think he's that far from being like, okay, now we really like James can hold his own offensively, but defensively, he's going to give us. A, a lot on that side of the ball. So I think it's just, you got to keep adding slowly. I don't think you want to force feed the, you know, the offensive repertoire right out of the gate, but you just need to slowly like, okay, let's get you a little hook and then let's work on a counter and like slowly, slowly add that stuff. 
you mentioned Capella, and I think that's an excellent name to mention here. And when we're talking about Capella, he was a guy who I'm pretty sure he went 20th his draft year, if I'm remembering I correctly. So, yeah, not range. Somewhere in the 20s. Yeah. And man, if James Naji is Clint Capella, that's a huge win, right? Like getting right. that guy in the late first round, like a long term, you know, NBA starter at center, you know, Capella made quite a bit of money. If that's the level we're talking about with Najee, then you know that's someone who you probably want to you know, even consider talking about higher than late in the first round because you know Capella going late in the first round ended up being one of the steals of that draft, right? And if Najee can duplicate that, then that's someone who you know I think maybe you want to think about dream a little bigger, darling, as you like to say, right? You know maybe push him a little bit further up the board than just late in the first round. Yeah, I mean. I- I was just looking at Capella's international stats before he came over. Um, he averaged like nine and six in 21 minutes. So, I mean, it's not too crazy to think that he's on that path. And now, obviously, Capella took some time to, to get his feet wet and, and find his groove in the NBA level. But I think also there's just this idea with, with fans where international guys, especially bigs, really do need time. Um, those are the ones you got to be extremely, extremely patient with because you're, you're trying to obviously get them adjusted to the speed of the game, but you're also trying to unlock a lot of areas and and Najee. Yes. He could probably have the tools to hold his own as a rotational big early on, but I think you want to be thinking big picture and saying like, okay, if we can continue to take strides with him each year by year three, we might be like, James is our starting big. Let's run wild. Let's go. He's ready to rock. And, and maybe it comes faster than yet. Maybe it takes slower. You never really know. But there's definitely a starter potential big with really good defensive chops, in my opinion, down the road. That's also going to be a problem offensively because if he learns how to, you know, just set good screens and and I, I think he does do that. But I'm just saying if he gets those fundamentals ironed out, I think he's going to be a lob threat and be a very fun person for a point guard. You said Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton, yes, would have a a joy with Najee throwing lobs to him. So before we wrap up, let's just sort of talk about the pie in the sky potential. And that's, you know, sort of what you mentioned at the very end of the piece with the off the bounce stuff with him. And this is the kind of thing where it will be very interesting to see where he's at with that in three years, because Right now, I don't think his handle is anywhere near at the point right. where you want to say, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to set up for you at the top of the key. Go ahead and take this guy off the dribble. That's not exactly where Najee is at, but it's the kind of thing where, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit over the past couple of years where it's like the NBA game is increasingly becoming a game where you have to be able to do a little bit of everything or, you know, maybe not a little bit of everything, but, you know, at least be elite enough in more than one area, right? The purely one dimensional guys have slowly been, you know, worked out of the NBA, right? You know, the Ryan Anderson's of the world, the Troy Daniels is of the world, you know, in terms of the offense. And then, you know, defensively, like Nerlens Noel went very quickly from five year, $70 million contract to, you know, rotating close to minimum deals to just be a defensive piece. You know, part of that with Noel specifically was injury stuff, but, you know, more sort of generally speaking, there's been sort of a force pushing out of, you know, the guys who can only do one or two, one or even two things out there. And with Najee, I mean, if he can develop a little bit more off the bounce and add that to the rest of his already really solid, in my mind, complementary skills on offense. I mean, that's when we talk about, you know, something dangerous where he becomes more than just, you know, the next Clint Capella. And again, to be clear, the next Clint Capella would be an excellent outcome for James Najee, but I mean, there's never really been any sort of off the bounce stuff with Capella. If Najee can develop on that front, then that just opens up another really dangerous dimension to his offensive game. 
Yeah, the the clip I showed, I was like shocked watching it. I was like, whoa, okay, that looked way more fluid because it's him taking the ball at the top of the key, kind of pivoting and then just blowing by his defender and then also like gathering himself to finish with touch around the basket. And I was like, that's something you don't – you see that from a shooting guard. You don't see that from a seven foot two forty big. So it's one of those, you know, teases. I talked about it earlier. You Like you get – intrigued with the teases like is there something more here and you know obviously if if i wish no ceilings was five years down the road because i would have traveled to go see naji and i would have had a lot of fun watching him at practice but we'll get there but um i i just absolutely am enamored with with what he could be and i think obviously the fit is always everything with every draft prospect but there's some guys that are really intriguing fit you know studies when it comes to this class and i think Najee's going to be up there because if he ends up with the right team that is going to stress patience and is going to have a plan to surround him with you know maybe they surround him with some good playmakers and some offensive minded guys that can can light it up from all over the place and they allow Najee to play to his strengths early on in his career. And then you continue to see the development with his game each season. I think that's when you're going to look up and be like, man, Najee's one of these redraft guys that just skyrockets up the boards because I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star caliber big, but I think you could look and be like, Najee is a heck of a defensive asset and he's going to be a center for a team for a long time. That's really interesting because in terms of the fit stuff, I, it's funny because in the same article that I talked about Najee, I also talked about Noah Clowney and with Noah Clowney, I think it's going to be so thoroughly fit dependent that if he ends up in the right spot, he could be someone who, you know, everybody looks foolish for passing on him. And if he ends up in the wrong spot, he could be out of the league in a few years. I don't feel that way about Najee at all. I think that his, you know, very basic baseline offensive skills and what he can do on defense you know, I find it hard to, you know, think of more than a few teams that couldn't use someone like that in a nine minute per game role, like he's played at Barcelona, right? Like he's been effective as a nine minute a game player at Barcelona as an 18 year old doing exactly that. You know, if, you know, we get five years from now and he's, you know, backup center 10 to 15 minutes a game, that's still a pretty solid selection for a late first round pick, right? Whereas with Clowney, I think it's so much more boom or bust where the right spot, he ends up, you know, turning this fantastic player the wrong spot, he ends up, you know, falling out of the league and either being a redraft guy or, you know, having to make his money overseas. It's it's interesting that you bring up the fit stuff because I think the fit for Najee, at least at the most basic level, is pretty easy. I, I, I think it's and I have to rephrase that. I, I think you're spot on. I think the fit is easy. I just think if he went to a team that's trying to improve very quickly and they try to force him to become something fast that he's not. That's sure. where you could be like, okay, like you kind of, you know, not ruined it, but you missed out on that one. And that one all of a sudden turns into, okay, Najee ends up with another, his second team and they reap all the benefits. I think I'm just really excited if a, a playoff team or someone that isn't going to rush it gets their hands on him where they're like, hey, let's think big picture here. Let's not try to bring Najee in as a rookie to play right away and, feed them in the post and stuff like that. I think if some teams just like, this is something we're going to be very happy about, you know, down the road. And maybe it is a team like Utah. Maybe that's Danny Ainge shocks. And he's like, Hey, I have Laurie and Walker Kessler. I'm going to add Najee as a developmental big rep behind them and let his game slowly develop with confidence. And, um, you know, maybe there's just some other teams that would, would look into that. I don't think a team like the Warriors would probably double down on, 
that, but you never know. Um, it's just, I'm rooting for him to go to a team that I'm like, they're going to get it. They're going to understand that this is not a, a thing you need to rush. And his skills are just so fascinating for how raw he is. Cause usually when you're that raw, you don't have like the, the defensive chops that he already has. And I think that's where I keep going. Like, man, if he goes to the right developmental staff that just is offensively, they're just like, Hey, let's, let's take this slow because we have something special here that just, you know, just needs to be unlocked. And I, I really do feel that way, but I agree with you. I think his, his fit should be fine. Every team needs James Najee, yeah. but it's what team is going to see the big picture and be patient because there's also going to be a lot of executives and stuff that are like, Hey, my contract's up in a year. I need to hit, <laughs> I need to get a guy that could come help me get that next contract. And some other ones are going to be like, I'll take Najee and you know, I'm, I'm going to have some security and we're going to be very excited when, when this young prospect develops. All right. Anything else you want to talk about here before we wrap this one up? No, this is great, Nick. Thanks for, for having me on. I love to, love to talk about Najee. I'm hoping we start getting some more buzz about him, and I'm happy that you – It's every time you do your editor's piece, I feel like I always am seeing who you call out. And when you wrote Najee, I was like, dang it, I've, I've been wanting to do the Najee piece, so it worked out perfectly. Timing is, is everything. Well, see, that was my sort of recovery for not being in on Kobe Buckin earlier in the season. Was that was that was my olive branch to you? Was writing about Najee. So, I love it. I love it. It was smart. I was like, at the moment I saw you write Najee, I was like, oh gosh, here we go. And I was like, all right, got to get back to work. <laughs> all right. Well, he is Tyler Rucker. You can find him on Twitter at Tyler underscore Rucker at Backcourt V, and of course over at No Ceilings NBA. And you will be writing for tomorrow. So yes. today, by the time you're listening to this podcast, so. If you're one of the super early morning listeners, Rucker's piece will not quite be ready yet by the time you listen to this. But if not, then definitely go ahead and check that out over at noceilingsnba.com. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Johnson. And you can find my written work on noceilingsnba.com. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please take the time to leave a rating and or a review on whatever podcast player you might be using. That's always much appreciated on our end. And if you have any feedback about the deep dives portion of the podcast, you can feel free to reach out to me either via Twitter or email nickaj.nba at gmail.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening.